You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. Hi, I'm John Tudor, Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. we got another hunting tactics situation today. Steve's going to bring on one of uh, a guest that actually I've followed for a long time. I, I don't know him personally, but I'm happy to have him on this. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of me back in the day. I used to do a lot of suburban hunting. Uh, I hunted in uh, places around my house, industrial parks. So I, I can kind of relate to this guy a little bit. Uh, Lee Ellis is his name. He's with Seek One. Steve's going to be doing most of the uh, Q&A today. I'm taking a break. I've been on a bunch of podcasts myself. The only thing I want to lead with is I hope everybody is paying attention to the level of detail that we're providing in these podcasts, right? The intention here is to give you real hunting tactics that are going to get you in the game and ahead of the rest of the people that are trying to do this out there. And it's a competitive environment we all live in, so it's going to be good to talk about this today. All right, Steve, are you on? Yep, I'm here. Awesome. Lee, hey, you you on, buddy? I'm here. All right, great. All right, Lee, why don't you introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll let Steve roll with the punches, and we'll kind of bang this out. Yeah, so name's Lee from Atlanta. Um didn't grow up. I'll, I'll try to keep it in a, in a nutshell, but, um, didn't grow up in a hunting family. Didn't grow up, uh, in an area where obviously hunting was common. I, I didn't have you know, any family land or lease property or any public land readily available to kind of where I lived. And, um, long story short with my buddy drew, he comes from a hunting family. Um, we met in eighth grade, became buddies started taking note that there was some deer, um, you know, kind of around the suburbs of Atlanta. And, uh, we were like 15 years old, couldn't even drive yet and started knocking on doors and, uh, got our first spot at like 16 years old and, uh, just had, just had one spot that we shared and that kind of opened the doors to, uh, you know, once we could drive, just kind of 
expanding on that one spot and just door knocking like crazy and finding some pretty unique animals uh, in some overlooked places and uh, started the YouTube channel and now we are doing that in other states. Totally, yeah, that's it's uh, it's 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 awesome, you know, following you guys over the years. Um, some of the deer, like I mean, you you talk very humbly. Some of the deer that you've taken and gotten on are deer that would be considered world class, literally anywhere in the world. So it's an honor to have you on. Um, like I said, we're going to keep this kind of short and sweet. But um, kind of what I, you know, what I touched on in our pre-conversation is. Um, when I when I met you last uh, spring there at the Spartan Forge retreat, um, and you talked about using the Spartan Forge prediction app, and um, you know obviously I'm on the pro staff as well, and you know I know a little bit about it, but I'm still learning as I go here. But what I was amazed about is how you were able to. I mean, it, there's a huge difference between knowing when deer are moving and then using this app as it says it's in its core area or today's like abnormal movement can you talk about that one particular buck which was a tremendous deer that you took last year and kind of how uh, you used the uh, predictions to kind of narrow things down on him yeah so uh i'm i'm still learning every day um as i tinker with the app more uh, and just learn more about it um of kind of how to how to best sort of utilize that Spartan Forge is like a a, a very uh, effective tool and the prediction piece um, obviously Bill I mean you you know the background Bill took uh, a lot of deer data from GPS collared deer and basically built that model on you know that data and weather patterns and all that all that good stuff and um, there's a difference in an app that's like, hey, today's a good day to hunt. Right. You're going to move. Well, okay, that's good to know. But, like, if I've got, you know, four or five places that I want to hunt or could hunt, like, where should I go? Uh, you know, especially if you're kind of hunting a, a specific deer. <clears throat> and what's different about what you can do with that is like you're getting core area predictions, you're getting transition area predictions, you're getting full range predictions. And if you can combine those predictions with history or just knowledge of a deer, like what you've been able to learn about that deer, it can be like really deadly. Right. Um, and the, the kind of what I mean by that is like, you know, it's, it's almost, it's not useless, but like, if you're after a certain buck and you don't know a thing about him, like you don't know where his core area is, if you get a core area prediction, you know, the only thing you may know is, well, I'm not in his core area, so I'm not going to see him. Yep. Um, and obviously, like, the app's not 100%. Like, you know, it's deer still deer. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but when you have history with a deer where it's like, you know, you, you kind of learn where his summer summer area is, you sort of learn where he likes to go during the rut and, uh, you know, kind of where he starts to branch out of that summer range and stuff like that. Like that's where the prediction piece is, is extremely, uh, helpful. Uh, I'm, I'm still, even this year, I've, I've got a story last year, I'll tell you, but even this year, like I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, three different 
deer journeys. Uh, and every single one of them is, is relating to his, Bill's predictions. And it's, it's awesome. pretty, it's pretty cool to watch. Absolutely. Um, now that so, deer, when you said you had history with it, was it just like one year, two years? Like how much time did you have invested in that, that deer last year that, you know, that the app really led you to have success on? So I had, I had two years of history with that deer. Um, I had history with him in 2020 from summer all the way to the end of the year. And then 2021, uh, summer all the way until I killed him. So, mm-hmm. um, did, well, did you, uh, like, like, you know, basically trail camera photos? Cause this was before the app. Like, how did you compile like all that information to know? Like, I think I remember you saying when you killed him, it was a core area movement prediction and that was, that's where you got him. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I have, uh, people that tell me that this is a gift of mine, but it's, it's my, my <laughs> brain works in, in weird ways. Um, you know how, like if, if you hear a song that used to be like your jam, but it was like 15 years ago, but you hear it on the radio and you remember every single word. That's, <laughs> that's kind of how my brain works with like trail cam pictures and deer. Me too. <laughs> um, like I can see it, you know, I've got hundreds and hundreds of, of different deer that I've got pictures of, but like if you pull any trail cam picture from, you know, seven, eight, like however many long, however many years ago, I can tell you exactly what deer it was and where it was taken. Um, even deer that I'm not hunting. It's just like, so I guess my point in saying that is like, I pay attention to a lot of deer. Mm -hmm. And even though I wasn't hunting that particular deer that year in 2020 before, uh, Bill's predictions and Spartan Forge, like I was still logging in my head, like, Oh, I'm seeing him here. Uh, I'm seeing him here and at this time of the year and that time of the year. And like, I'm kind of almost just cataloging like his movements because that's a deer that I may want to hunt next year. And knowing that information about that deer, like is critical to putting yourself in a position to take that deer. So, um, the prediction piece in particular. So I, I knew where this deer, his summer range was, and he would hang there till, you know, a couple weeks into the season, like he'd still be in that core area a lot. Uh, whether he was using daylight or not, you know, was, was the issue, but he was in that area. And so I, I was hunting him all during that time. Just never was able to cross paths with him. And then, um, you know, when, when these deer start to kind of branch out from their summer patterns and they're getting to explore a little bit more, uh, that's sometimes when they're really difficult to hunt. Yep. And what how what I was noticing with that particular deer was when he was in that sort of exploratory phase, like it's October. Um, I've honestly like previously like I've never really had that much luck luck hunting deer in October. Just yeah, I just never really have. Yeah, I totally agree. That's it's a huge challenge. Yeah, and so. That deer was, you know, he'd show up over here, he'd show up over there, he'd show up in his core area again, and it's just, you're kind of, it's the cat and mouse, like, 
he shows up on on this camera a half mile away. Well, you go to sit that spot, and he's already gone and moved on <laughs> back to his core area or back to the, So you're just like kind of always one step behind. Yep. And so what I knew about this deer was I knew where his core area was. I knew where you know when these deer start to expand their circle, their their range. Like I knew where he, at least last year, the previous year went. So. I was looking at Spartan Forge the whole time, and I'm seeing these deer on these cameras, and it's matching up most of the time when it's like I see the core area prediction, I'm seeing him in his core area. When I'm seeing the transition area predictions, I'm seeing him sort of expand his range. And then when I'm seeing those full range predictions was when I was seeing him like in his full, you know, where he goes to chase does type of range. So it was, was, I think it was like third week of October. And... Go ahead. So I, I think it was like third week of October when I killed that deer. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing this deer now on, on like three different cameras. And I'm, I've got stands on all of them. And I'm sitting there trying to decide like what stand to go to. And so I looked at Spartan Forge. And I've been studying it and seeing how it's been matching up. And I got a core area prediction. So I went to his summertime area and sat that stand that I've had on that poor area and uh he came out you know 30 minutes before dark and uh gave me a shot and it's like it 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 absolutely helped hone hone me in on that deer and like it it helped me put myself in the right position at the right time uh to cross paths with that deer and if I wasn't paying attention to those predictions like I'd probably still be a step behind that deer like oh he showed up over here I'll go over there that's just insane. <laughs> um, yeah, so. that's that's what fascinated me so much about when you said that because I feel like if you're someone who, in which a lot of people are these days, that are using some type of app or some way of help to predict deer movements, and most of us are wanting and watching for like that full range or like you said earlier, uh, okay, today's a day when the deer are moving everywhere, but I feel like it was most intriguing how you were able to, you know, look at that core area movement prediction when really that's probably might not even be the greatest day to be hunting deer overall. But, uh, you know, you set, you believed in what it said and you honed in on that core area, core area and took that buck. Would you, would you say that it could potentially have been the best prediction as far as that might've been, the easiest time to kill that deer because it said core area versus if it was a full range day? Yeah, I mean, if you know where the core area is of a deer, like, uh, you know, they're, it's typically their summer range um, from what I've seen, but it all it also varies. Like, if, you, if you're familiar with what where a deer's sort of core area is, uh, yeah, I mean, I think core area days, like, you know, someone may not look at that and be like, Oh, I got to be in the woods. But if you know where a buck's core area is, like sometimes, you know, a full range, like that deer could be anywhere. I mean, he's, you know, traveling a large area, uh, but the core area predictions is when like, he's almost sort of honing back into, you know, a smaller area that like, you know, if you're familiar with where his core area is, you can kind of use that to try and cross paths with him. Um, you know, back in that, in that tighter spot of his. Yeah, that's, that's what's most <clears throat> fascinating to me. I think hunting individual deer 
you want to be able to take that deer or hone in on that deer when he's in his core area versus, you know, if he's out there roaming around all over the place. I think a day when, you know, you might see a more of a full range prediction, that's kind of a day where maybe you put yourself in an area where there's multiple shooters or something. But a lot of people, you know, I just think overlook like, certain days and even myself like I, i'm more of a, a you know prime deer hunting weather person but uh i also was you know like i said i learned a lot listening to you that day and how you kind of sat back and when you saw that he you know was likely going to be in his core area um i mean that was just huge to be able to go and capitalize on that um so i feel like we you know i know we could talk about that individual deer for hours but Obviously, we're in a short time span here. Um, also, you know, what's so amazing about you is, you know, you're not just uh, taking deer in suburbs and just one city anymore. Like, what are, are you, like, just knocking on doors in many different cities? Like, what's your, what's your approach to be able to have the success that you have and, you know, traveling all over the country now doing what you're doing? Uh, time. <laughs> that is that is the biggest it factor is time and i'm i'm super blessed that i get to do this full time so like i can you know that this isn't a nine to five for me like i don't i don't pack it up at five o'clock and <laughs> shut it down like it's i mean it, it never stops for me like i'm in i'm in michigan right now and uh you know, I, I drove up to Michigan from Atlanta uh, in February Wow! and started doing some door knocking, um, <laughs> found, a, found a nice deer last year, and then um, had, a, had, a, had kind of a couple deer I was, I was trying to track down, but found a nice deer last year. I ended up getting like three or four spots for that deer. Uh, and I, so I, I drove up here, I, I think I've driven up here four or five times now. Wow. That's a long um, drive. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's like, a. I think it's almost, I think I'm like 150 hours in on, uh, <laughs> car driving. That's just to and from Michigan. Wow. And so, you know, the, the time that I can put into it is, is everything. So, you know, I, I found that deer last year. I got three or four spots. And I was running cameras on all of them. Um, I made a trip up here in August. And I, even though those deer are not taking the scrapes that time of year, I went ahead and put in uh, the right licking branches and, and got everything set up to where when they shed, they'd start taking to them. And mm-hmm. um, I've got a buck right now that uh, is one I found last year. And it's just, it's been a long time coming to, be able to hunt this deer and pursue this deer. And, um, wow. It, it, it's, it's also funny because, uh, I know where this deer's core area is and I'm hunting this buck in a marsh right now. And I ran, I've run a camera in this marsh since February of last year, or I guess February of earlier this year and never saw him in there until, the first full range prediction that Spartan Forge gave for this area. And that was the day he showed up in the marsh. Wow. And then it was a bunch of courier predictions after that. Wasn't seeing him. And then the next transition area prediction I got 
boom, he shows back up in the marsh. Um, <laughs> and so now I think this deer is sort of honed in on this marsh, and I'm I'm pursuing you know hunting that deer up here. Till you um, get him. <laughs> yeah, want, the the problem is to not go ahead. No, I want to know the game. I want to know the game plan. I want to understand yeah, how you're going to break this deer yeah. down. Exactly. The marsh buck I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, it's, it's funny, like, you know, I'm in an, an suburban area and these deer, like it's, it's different up North. And I've, I've realized that than South, like Atlanta, uh, some of these bucks are extremely like, they're just not visible. Um, they just, they have so much, they'll hide like crazy, but some of these deer up here, they know their safe zones is in people, literally in people's yards. And what I've learned is a lot of these bigger pieces, the more obvious pieces of, of ground, bigger woods, they're all, it's all being hunted. And these deer are like purposely avoiding these larger blocks of woods. Um, so you would think that these deer living in a suburban area would be like, you know, not care about human scent and just kind of, uh, just kind of lollygagging around or whatever. Um, and that, that is true to an extent when they're around those houses. Like if they see someone at the house and they can smell them and they see them, they won't really, I mean, they'll keep their distance, but they don't really, it's not a threat to them. This marsh I'm hunting, this particular buck, like, you know, he's, he's seen in people's backyards, but he's hunkered down in this marsh and, I'll bet you not a human has walked in this marsh in several years. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's uninhabited. Just people don't go in there. And I, the first night, so anyways, the difference in them experiencing like a human scent in a zone like that is a night and day difference when they're by a house and they can see and, and label what they're smelling. So I got busted my first sit. <laughs> uh, I, I went in the middle of this marsh and I, and I got a picture of him that morning. So I knew he was, he was most likely in there. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in there. If I was smart, I would have kept hunting just the edges and taking my time and, you know, enough time in the stand that deer would have worked at the edge and, uh, I would have had a chance and, and probably not have much intrusion on that, on that marsh. Um, but I got pretty aggressive and I just like, I wanted to dive into the middle of the thing. That's not what I normally would do. Like if I was being smart, but I was like, I want to get in there with them. And so I went in and hung a set and I got in the middle of this marsh and this, he, he, he was in there and came out behind me and, uh, he just kind of circled sort of downwind of me and, and, and boogered out. Um, but I've, I've backed out of that area and I'm going to hunt the edges now. I'm hoping that I didn't like booger him out too bad. He's probably just shot uh, someone in there. (laughs) Yeah. And so my, my strategy is to be as non-invasive as possible. Treat that marsh like it is literally their sanctuary and just just stay out as much as I possibly can. And just, there's a hardwood edge and there's some white oaks that are dropping. And these, these deer are coming out of the marsh, but they've got so much to eat in there. 
Um, it's not like they're just pounding these these oaks. Uh, and I, I got a mock scrape that, that he's taken to um, that's kind of pulling him out of the marsh. So I'll probably just like uh, play my winds right and just keep hunting the edges as opposed to trying to get in there with them. Is, is he uh, pretty nocturnal still, or are you seeing some daylight activity as far as coming out I've of the seen, marsh? I've seen him uh, twice on my trail cam. Uh, once was in daylight in the morning, and then the other time was um, was after dark. I think that he's just literally buried up in this marsh, and he's coming out kind of after hours. So how, it's how, it's just funny, like, you, you'd think, you know, oh, it'd be a stupid suburban deer. Like, they're just dumb, and they smell humans, and they don't, you know. But it, it's it's not the case at all. <laughs> Do you find, like, it, it is a little different places? Like, is, is Michigan, you said there's some other hunting pressure up there. Would you say, you know, that you're in a more challenging environment compared to maybe, you know, Georgia area, or, or what, what are the differences you see in? Yeah, they they all have different challenges. Um, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta to me, like I'll always love to hunt my old stuff in Atlanta, but I almost feel like I've conquered it in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I I haven't, just to be clear, but I just feel like I've uh, I've had success in Atlanta. I want to go somewhere else. Like I'm I'm looking for a new adventure and like a different different playing field sure. um michigan you can't bait at all and so you're just running cameras on trails and scrapes and stuff like that uh georgia you can bait which helps sort of uh those those bigger bucks are, are super leery to bait but at least helps you kind of like consistently get trail cam picks at night and stuff and sure. sort yeah, of figure yeah. out what to do from there but um i've just learned it's very you know, I can I can go three miles from here and be in a totally different environment than where I'm at now. Um, dealing with people is has proven to be very difficult up here in Michigan. Uh, I got followed, and I got I, I got followed the other night. This is funny. This deer that I, this marsh buck that I'm hunting, uh, he was summering in a like a neighborhood that had a lot of, like a lot of wooded acreage. Um, and he's since moved into this marsh. But when I first got up here, I was like, I'm going to drive through this neighborhood and just like be peering around and see if I don't get a glimpse of them somewhere. Um, and it was dusk and stuff. So I'm driving around and this car starts, gets behind me. I'm like, man, they sure are making every turn I'm doing. (laughs) And, uh, so, long story short, I, I was like, if I take one more right turn and they follow me, like, 100% they're following me. And I'm going to say something or just, like, you know, ask what's going on. Take this right turn. They take the right turn. I was like, okay, yeah, they're following me. So, I pull over. It was a husband and wife, and they were just dog cussing me. Wow. And We know what you're doing. You're, you're looking for deer. Like, I mean, just dog Cussing me. Wow. F you, like F that, you know, this, that, and the other. And uh, the wife was scary. 
the husband was, was more calm. Um, and, uh, it was kind of funny. Like a part of me was like, I kind of want to be a smart ass. <laughs> just like, uh, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to like, I'm going to be calm. And I, I basically told him, I was like, look, we can be calm and have a productive conversation here, or we can just keep yelling at each other, like, and get nothing out of this. Like, what, what do y'all want to do? They eventually calmed down, and we ended up. Had, they invited me to dinner. Had dinner with them that <laughs> night with, with their wow. with their four kids. Wow, that's amazing how you turn that situation around. Huh. Yeah. So. Huh. But, so like uh, I got sidetracked there, but it's just the people are different. And. Uh, no, that's and that's even you know similar to me in a public land situation. Although we don't have as much for anti hunters, but whenever you you know start running into people, you know if you don't have your own private little piece to yourself, it's it definitely throws a whole different you know wrench in the ball game or an added curveball here and there. So I know what you're feeling, um, but Lee, it's I think we've had you about a half hour here. Uh, John, is there is there anything that you want to add or ask Lee about? Uh, maybe one thing, Lee. <laughs> and I followed you in the beginning of time when you first started the Seek One stuff, and I was I was always intrigued by you. Um, I, I, I do think you conquered uh, what you did in Atlanta, so I, I think you should sit on that, and, and I'll give you some accolades for that. Um, and I like the fact that you're pushing the limits by trying these other areas. And I think you're seeing culturally the differences and the, the type of hunting pressure in those environments obviously are, are a little unique. And, uh, you know, the strategy that goes into that particular deer that you were, you were breaking down and, um, I, I hope you get that deer. Um, but I'm kind of interested in one, one little point, and this goes back to the suburban hunting you used to do is you're taking some data off the corn piles or whatever bait stations that you have. And I'm assuming you're walking mm-hmm. that, that information back to a core location where you think the deer are resident and obviously you're dealing with, you know, neighborhood pressure and, you know, uh, all sorts of different pressures that, that stimulate deer to kind of move in different areas. But can you just kind of walk quickly through your process of taking the camera data, trying to co-locate a deer and then, you know, diagnosing how to attack him, maybe a deer that you had, you know, maybe some time ago and, and just quickly a discussion on that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously like deer will come to corn and feed, um, but a mature buck, there's pros and cons to all of it. Um, when you're not feeding, maybe I'm getting sidetracked here, but I'll, hopefully I'll come for full circle at some point. Um, when you're not feeding, those deer, and you're just hunting them in a natural way, like those deer are not on near the level of alert they are as to when they're coming to a bait pile. And... I think that when you're hunting around bait piles, like those deer are patterning you very, very quickly because they're spending a lot of time there around you. And they're usually hanging uh, early in the morning hours when you're walking in and blowing them out or they're hanging around way after dark and you're climbing down from your tree and just, you know, blowing them out. So it's like, you know, hunting around bait is, is very difficult and tricky and, it's useful, uh, especially with like getting camera information. But like a lot of times, if I'm if I'm feeding somewhere and I'm getting trail cam data, um, and I, I don't I don't always hunt around bait. It's it's always state to state. 
Um, but sometimes I'll hunt off and away from that feed and try to catch them coming as opposed to, you know, gathering around that, that pile. Like usually a mature buck, if he's going to show up in daylight, it's going to be right at last light. So I want to try and catch him when he's on his feet, maybe coming that direction. Um, but I think, uh, you know, utilizing, uh, well, hold on. <laughs> My brain goes in a lot of directions. Help hone me in here on kind of what the, the, the question is. I just wanted Definitive to, question yeah, I just want to, that's good to you telling us about the corn piles and, and the interest level and, and how that can be distracting to deer. Um, from that information, you usually walk deer back. You're trying to look at, I'm assuming, you know, what areas they're locating themselves in based on that data. Um, some could be looking at the time, you know, the gap between where their bedding areas are and that feeding source, um, trying to kind of get a diagnostic of where deer are co-locating and how you kind of hone in on a deer based on that data. That was kind of my question. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, feed, feeding, you know, is, is great for getting data and, and about deer. Like for example, the, the buck that I, uh, that we talked about earlier that I killed last year, you know, I was had, I had feed out in front of those cameras in, in 2020, the year before I killed them, just take an inventory. Like if he's in the area, I want to make sure that I get a picture of him and, and gather, you know, get him in front of the camera. Um, you know, when you're not feeding, you're missing a lot of, deer activity uh just because they could you know take the trail to the left or hit the scrape to the right and you just just miss it all um but if i'm like hunting around feed and i'm I'm using trail cameras um sometimes what i'll do is like if i'm getting a deer and he's nocturnal like always nocturnal on this bait pile i will then try and take cameras and put them in the directions that i believe that the deer is coming from and I won't, I won't put more bait out. I'll just try and get a picture of him kind of confirming like which direction he's coming and then take it a step further and kind of like try to use that to sort of like follow this deer back to where he's bedding and spending his time um, and, you know, getting on his feet in daylight. I, I believe, not obviously not every day, but I believe that uh, mature bucks are not, 100% nocturnal. They're on their feet somewhere in daylight. Uh, not every day, but at some point, you know, they're, they're using daylight somewhere. Uh, it may not be around your feed pile, but if you know they're coming to it and they're, they're getting there 30 minutes after dark, like he's probably not that far. So try and figure out which direction he's coming from and then try and hone in on them, you know, from that. I've definitely had success in the past of like, you know, finding deer in daylight because, you know, I was, I was getting pictures of them around feed and I'm just, you know, trying to pinpoint kind of where they're coming from. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that you're walking back that data and trying to diagnose their core locations. And the think the trick there is you're very consistent with the food sources. So you're giving them some direction to travel and then you're breaking that down, you know, on, in the background. So, you know, just important thing to note, because I think a lot of people get confused when you talk about bait and they talk about some of the specifics around bait and how to strategize. Um, I deal with that with some of my land clients. So uh, I appreciate that input. Um, that's it really for me, hunt. Steve. Go ahead. Cool. Yeah, go ahead, Lee. Yeah, go ahead, Lee. Yep. I was just going to say hunt, hunting around bait can be extremely tricky. Extremely tricky. 
Yeah, I don't think uh, and, I don't think and, it solves the issue, Lee. I think it I think it makes it no. more complicated. I think people look at it as a band aid solution, and it's not it. But in your case, you're using it to help direct deer, and I think that's a, a great idea. It just you may not be using it from a hunting standpoint, like meaning you're not going to kill at that location, but that helps you kind of diagnose right. their overall movement. I think that's I think it's quite interesting. Yep. Yeah. All right, I think that's it for me, uh, Steve. Are you good? Yep, I'm all good, and Lee, thank you so much. Like I said, I know you're such a busy guy, and uh, just an honor to be able to talk some deer hunting with you, and I'm sure I'll see you again. I think we're going to meet up again this spring or, or somewhere around yeah. that time. So, But you know, once again, just thanks a lot. And Also, I, I appreciate you uh, sharing your faith always wherever you go, and I just pray that uh, you know God blesses you and continues to to lead you and your path and you know having such success in the you know whitetail industry so god bless you for that yeah. i appreciate that you gotta gotta keep the main thing the main thing yep. absolutely absolutely yeah. all right guys well thanks a lot lee thanks for coming on really appreciate being the podcast yeah, i enjoyed it great great steve Had a good time we'll talk next week man you're back on next week last one all right all right best of luck to you guys all right you too see you guys thanks a lot yeah bye bye Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.